If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the 1875 podcast. Um, I had the very special pleasure of speaking to Scott Sellers, who was a Blackburn Rovers um, hero, really, of mine. And he started playing for the club in 1986 and played with us until 1992, was part of the team that won the full Members Cup in 1987, and also a massive part of the team that got promoted to the Premier League in 1992. And we obviously speak a lot about that time as well as the career that he had before and after Rovers and what he's doing now as well. So I won't spend too much on this preamble. I want to get straight into what Scott had to say. And after some um, interesting uh, lockdown chat, which I've mercilessly cut from the podcast, and we went straight into his career and I'd like to just pick up right from there. Hi Scott, how are you? Oh, good, thank you. Um, you're still keeping busy in football at the moment. We had a question asking if you were still involved in the game. Yeah, well, uh, presently I'm the academy manager at Leeds, so uh, sort of since my retirement I've been around, involved mostly in development football, so academy football. Uh, it's an area I really enjoy in terms of developing and working with young players. So, uh, yeah, I've everybody else in lockdown, so still lots to do in terms of phone calls, organisation, contracts, uh, yeah, I, th- I figured it would still be busy on, on that side of things. I was wondering how it was kind of working with the lockdown situation, but that kind of makes sense. So how you're in the prime position to really kind of ask this question to, how has that side of things changed for young players? So thinking back to kind of your time when you were starting your career, is it vastly different now? I presume it is. Yeah, I, I think firstly it's... Um a lot more protected in a lot of ways. So, you know, a lot of the time the boys don't really play competition football until they're eight, you know, until they get to under 18 football. Whereas for my age, I think we were in competition from 12. So I think we gained some understanding. Um, a lot less things to do. So in, in my day, you sort of played football in the winter, played cricket in the summer, maybe dropped in a bit of athletics at school and things like that. But you know, most are doing them two things, whereas the, the things they can do now in terms of, uh, you know, obviously your play stage and stuff are very different. And I think just the environment. So uh, if I went to I went to Leeds at 16 as, a, as an apprentice and there was a, probably, a, you know, a, a coach uh, full-time. And other than that, that was it. There were other guys that supported part-time. But the only really person you had around you full-time was your coach. So, you know, in terms of now, we've got sports scientists, analysis, uh, education, um so, yeah, the support around players is certainly totally different. And I, and I think from that point of view, boys are certainly as talented or talented players, but their development, I think, takes a lot longer in terms of understanding you know, the requirements of being a professional footballer. And you say you went to Leeds at 16. I think you, Wikipedia tells me from Sheffield, is that right? Around... Yeah, I was from Sheffield. So, uh, so there's a lot of boys of that age did the rounds, went to sort of Man United, went to, spent a lot of time at. Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Chesterfield, Barnsley and Leeds um, and eventually decided I thought Leeds would be 
sort of the best place for my development. I suppose we decided as a family. Okay, so it was kind of it was a whole kind of Silas family decision, and uh, there was no kind of aggro between. I mean, I don't know if your family are Wednesday fans or players. Yeah, no, fans no, I'm massive Wednesday fan. I'm massive Wednesday fan as a boy. I used to go home and away. But I think at that point, um, you know, I think there was a lot of a lot of clubs signed a lot of boys on schoolboy phones, but not everybody got an apprenticeship as it was on them day. So I was probably um, wisely told by my parents not to sign schoolboy phones till I felt I was ready and. Always at the thought of it was probably getting to the next stage of if I was talented, then uh, trying to get an apprenticeship. And, um, you know, I got a couple of offers from obviously Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, Man United wanted to time, say me as a schoolboy, wouldn't, but wouldn't commit to that. But at the time, Leeds was, a, you know, the Yorkshire lad, so Leeds was the big club, although it wasn't going through its best stage and was just about to get relegated. Uh, but I knew the people there and really enjoyed it every time I went, and felt at that time that was the best place. You know, I've always looked at things a little bit more, uh, you know, what's the best place for my development, really, in the next step. And you made, you know, not far off 100 appearances for Leeds as well, which has obviously worked out really well for you. So you got yourself into the team there. And and how did the move to Rovers come about then? Because that happened in the in the mid-80s. Um, what was yeah, the, kind yeah. of the situation with that? I think, well, I mean, in, uh, at the present time, as I broke into, as I became an apprentice, Alan Clark was the manager who took me there, with his assistant mind working, and he was big in terms of developing and working with young players. And then as I signed my apprenticeship, Alan got sacked. So that was my first sort of welcome to football. Yeah. Uh, and then as I sort of came to be my first manager, Eddie Gray, who I was, you know, sometimes you can be right place, right time. I was really lucky in terms of having a, a manager who'd come through the youth system at Leeds. So, uh, again, put a, a big emphasis in that. But at the same time, the club was having massive financial problems, probably coming to the end of the great times and the Manny Cousins era. So, it was a big changeover. And then, you know, in my first year as a scholar, I was an apprentice as it was, and I made my league debut at 17. So, you know, a lot of the young players there, we had a fantastic new system. You know, my team was Dennis Irwin, John Sheridan, uh, Neil Aspin, Terry Feeling. So, lots of boys who went on to have great careers yeah. um, but it was very much the focus was very much on developing players and giving them a chance and so the, the move to Rovers was one that you didn't expect or you didn't see coming or how did that kind of come about for you yeah I think the manager's changed and, and Eddie got replaced by Billy Bremner and um, at that time I was sort of had a really good start and did really well in my first couple of years and then uh, lost a bit of form and a bit of confidence as you do as a young player yeah uh, and then Billy came in and probably was looking for probably a different type of player um, than myself. He, he liked obviously more, more competitive midfield players, uh, whereas Eddie liked the more technical and skillful players. So I think probably my style probably didn't suit, and I think he wanted to make some changes. Uh, so at that point, um, my contract was up. I was off for another year, um, but I felt that probably it was the right time to. I didn't feel like I was really wanted. At the same time, I knew that um, Bobby Saxon rated me as a player, uh, so I sort of had the opportunity to speak to Bobby and, and, and sort of made that decision I was going to leave. Uh, and so I, I felt I wanted to go somewhere where I was wanted and, and had a, a chance to move my career forward again. And then, obviously, Blackburn were in the second division at the time, and we yeah. we were uh, the playoffs came in um, around this sort of time when you were forming yeah. your career and that became a bit of a theme then over the next um, few years for us 
how did, first of all, how did you feel like you settled in under Bobby Saxton and the lads that we already yeah. had at Ewood? And then, yeah, I mean, I respected them. I played against them a couple of times as a, as a Leeds player, so I knew they were good teams. I think they got beat two one at Blackburn on, on Boxing Day, and it was a really good game. I knew there was one or two younger players coming through, like Simon Barker and Mark Patterson as well. So I knew the young players were getting a, a chance there. Uh, but probably at the time, it was a team that was getting older, and I think Bobby recognised that. He was trying to find some younger players to come and support, you know, some real stalwarts like, you know, Benny Fazakli, Jim Barnigan, people like that. So, um, so yeah, it was probably a bit of a transition time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was looking forward to it. It didn't work for Bobby Long, but I thought he was a really good guy and a good coach and felt like, you know, he really challenged me and and, um, and, and I learned a lot under him. It was disappointing when, I, when he left, to be fair. Um but that, you know, I started to realise that well, that was football, and you get on with it, really. So quite, it's, that's happened to you twice. Then in, in quick succession, at your two clubs that you'd already been at, where the the manager who kind of brought you in and had faith in you maybe was removed quite quickly. But it's not; it didn't really stall your career at Rovers in a way. Don Mackay came in, and you you played, you know, regularly under Mackay as well. Yeah, I think before probably in that in that year, we was sort of in and out of the team and. Um, probably, and I just probably got to a stage where I think if I'm honest, I had to have a good chat with myself, to be fair, and say, "Come on, if you're not careful, if you know what I mean, you could be going down the leagues here." Um, you know, I've been a player that's been around the England youth teams and things like that, so I, I knew I had ability, but I sort of just had to give me I was playing the reserves at Blackburn, and I probably sort of yeah, had a bit of a reality check and chat, chat with myself and, and started to perform really well in the reserves, and then sort of took it to first team as well. And we we won a piece of silverware in 1987 final. But what are your memories of that day? I know it's a... no, just a great day, really. Um, you know, great for obviously the club um, to play at Wembley. You know, my first experience of playing at Wembley. So yeah, it was a, a you know a fantastic day uh, for everybody, and probably was the start of probably as a group we started to really believe in ourselves. I think probably the next season we started to really push for the playoffs. And that was, um, like I say, became a bit of a theme for Blackburn through the late 80s and the early 90s, constantly. I think it was five, three successive fifth-place finishes for us without ever achieving promotion to the first division in the 80s. How do you look back on that? those kind of three seasons and do you start to think you would never actually make it into the, the first division? Yeah, I think, I think you start to doubt it a little bit, but I think you know, we had three really good years Um Obviously, we were a good team. We would, I thought, always we would score a lot of goals. We were very creative, but we just couldn't seem. We had, a, you know, I think one season where we had an unbeaten run of probably over twenty games. So, but we just couldn't seem to sustain it. Probably towards the end, when it, you know, we didn't quite have the maybe the depth in squad or mm. something like that. But um, yeah, we just couldn't quite get across the line to get into them promotion places. But you know, uh, the players were always uh, very nerve wracking. I can't say I really enjoyed them. Um, because there was a lot of pressure on them, but it was something that you know we had some really good performances in the playoffs, and probably had some poor ones as well. But you know, eventually we got across the line. Um, we'll just skip back to you mentioned there about playing for the England youth setup. Um, which levels of England did you play at, and do you look back on your time um, with England as, as kind of fondly, or do you think it was missed opportunity? What are your thoughts about kind of playing for the okay. for the young England teams? Yeah, I think getting into youth teams, I mean, in my time at Blackburn, I got in the 23s or 21s as it was then, so, you know, I had the pleasure of playing against Scotland and Switzerland and playing in the Euro, European Championship semi-final against France, so they were all great experiences really, but they were all the back of 
yeah, my performances in that spell of trying to get promotion into um, into the champ- into the Premier League or the Division One as it was then. Uh, so yeah, I think they were all, all AJL uh, experiences that came my way, really, you know. And um, but I also recognise that what I did at club football was what got me there. Yeah, absolutely. So did you have chances to move into the first division with other clubs before you managed to? Game promotion with us, so did you, did, were there ever, ever any doubts in your mind that you might have wanted to chat? Like I said, you know, we weren't getting there ourselves, so did you have hear of anything on the grapevine that people were interested in the division above? I think there's always a lot of talk. I think there was talk of Liverpool watching me a lot, and I know Leeds United at the time were watching me a lot uh, when I would work in someone's manager. There's, there's talk of Rangers and Celtic, so and I'd wanted to things we talk about France and things, but it was always talk that. To be fair, it was always, for me, football was always about playing and enjoying it. And I, and I really enjoyed it at Blackburn. I enjoyed uh, playing for the club. I enjoyed my teammates. I enjoyed living in Blackburn. So in terms of you know my development and where I was at the time, I wasn't desperate to move. Um, I just wanted to keep playing and, and, and try and be as successful as I could. And then things started to change for the club as well. So did you sense massive changes or did you, did you see what was coming when Jack Walker became kind of the benefactor bought Rovers. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I, I think he probably came at a time where I was having my most difficult period with injury. Right. And I had a big problem with my sort of uh, with my groins and hernias and stuff like that. So it was very much a stutching period. I felt like I'd almost had a year of playing a few games, being out again and you know, eventually came to pass that I'd, I'd been playing with a with a term game listening for almost a year and a half. So, um, so that was really like a period where I was quite disillusioned and, and, and um, yeah, quite low with lacked a bit of confidence. I think Kenny coming in and Jack gave us a bit of a lift again and I sort of felt that like I was back, getting back to my to my best and back to what I could be. Um, but yeah, I think you could see, you know, the ch- I remember the changes from the car park being full of escorts to all of a sudden being full of Mercedes and, mm. and BMW. So there's certainly a club change when Jack came and then obviously Kenny followed uh, and then the players changed as well. So yeah, so obviously Walker, uh, Jack Walker kind of came in in the 1991 season. Don Mackay started to use um, Jack Walker's funds and yeah. you saw players starting to come in through that way and there was talk about you know redeveloping all the training facilities and then did you hear about Kenny Dalglish first or did you just turn up to work one day and there he was or did you see kind of the press behind it first of all yeah there was a lot of talk for a, for a couple of weeks that he was coming in and I, I'll be honest I didn't quite I didn't see why he lived in Liverpool and then wanted to come back to a sort of you know Division 2 team that I thought he'd be waiting for something better so I suppose it wasn't so actually that that Saturday when we played Plymouth that I actually thought wow this is this is actually happening so uh, yeah you know and seeing him and Ray Arthur there and changing was probably the first time I actually believed it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so that leads us now onto the promotion season. It's it's ridiculous that we're talking about kind of almost 30 years ago now, but um, it's actually the first season I started going down to Ewood Park as well. Yeah. Not to make you feel old. I already called you a dinosaur in the prelims. Exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, so what what you thought? What do you remember about that promotion season? Obviously, Dagley's coming in very early on, and then we established. You mentioned earlier about in the eighties how we would start seasons really well and be right up there almost all seasons, then start to fade. It almost seemed like that was going to be the the case again in this season as well. Yeah, it was crazy because I think at one point we were twelve points clear, 
and we were flying to be fair and uh, all of a sudden I think probably Mike Neal's injury had a you know Mike was a great player and great for the team and his his injury had an effect on our performances and the confidence went uh, and then we, at the end up sneaking into the playoffs at the very end of the season uh, to sort of give us another opportunity when we yeah basically felt like we messed it up to be fair and yeah we lost I think it was was it six in a row or five in a row or something like that and we. After we'd lost that last match to drop out of the playoffs, was it panic stations in the squad? Did you all kind of look at each other at the, on the training ground? or what, what, Could you not even look each other in the eye at that point? And, and can I, I would really love to know what was kind of said in between you guys. I think that I think in football, you, you know, things can quickly change either way. And I think I remember, I think, I, I think we played Sunderland on a Tuesday and we were 2-1 two two back. I think I scored the equaliser on my right foot to get a 2-2 two two and that that gave us an opportunity in the last game at Plymouth to sort of go and win. And we knew that if we won, we were in the playoffs. And we went down there and won, I think, 3-1 or 3-2 or something like that. So we, we, we got ourselves into the opportunity to get there. And I think that almost was a changing point in the same way that actually we've done it. We've got a win. Uh, we can actually now go and, 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 and move forward. And I think, again, like I think I think newly came back into the team at that point as well. Uh, and, and, yeah, we, we sort of... It was a second chance, I suppose, that the playoffs was a chance we could rectify how much we chucked up, to be fair. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, that was a massive turning point. And once the playoff position was secured, was that a massive sigh of relief for everyone, going knowing that you you had, you know, three matches now to, to win that promotion? And how, yeah. did, how did Dalglish yeah. and Harford kind of prepare the squad for those playoffs? Um, well, it was, but then we were two 0 down within ten minutes of the yeah. first game at home against Derby. So, yeah, I was going to come on to that. I mean? but, yeah. it, it was sort of forever. I think, I think above all else, I suppose what came through it was some big characters in the team to keep us going. Do you know what I mean? And I think, from my own point of view, it was almost like, now we've, we've got to get up. We can't not do it again. And I, you know, we had a lot of quality in the squad, and a, not, and, I, and I think from that quality, we sort of, you know, you got a front, front to a speedy and mule. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that always gave us a, a, a chance that we would we were capable of scoring goals and getting into it. And I, and I think in that derby game, I think I scored a, a free kick to, to ricochet and to get us back to two one. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the, the whole momentum of the game changed, and we won four two. So you know, that was sort of. Encompassed this, that season in one game, really. Yeah, I was going to kind of come on to that game. Obviously, Marco Gabbiadini after three minutes, and Tommy Johnson after thirteen. I think I've got down here. And yeah. when that goal goes in from Tommy Johnson, Bobby Mims is picking out of the back of the net. Is it just like everyone looking at each other, thinking, "Right, we've got to really, we can't let this happen again," or is it just every man for themselves, just trying to do yeah. anything? I think you, you recognise you've got nothing to lose. You might as well go for it. So, but like I say, I think you know we got to go back two one and then two two and then like I say, the, the whole game changed and we end up winning the game four two. That gives us you know a great chance going into the away leg, which we know is going to be a good, going to be a tough game away at, at the baseball ground, which it always is. Yeah, and were you nervous? You said earlier about not really enjoying the playoff situation. Personally, were you nervous? Could you sense nerves in the team? I, I, I think I think in that I think that. We felt that we, I felt that the team was good enough to win the game, even though it went two 0 down. Um, so I had great faith in the team. But you're looking for little changes in momentum, aren't you? So go here, uh, you know. Um, we just had to get on with it, really. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you, you know, and you, and you look across. You've got Kim Gleeson on the bench. 
you know what I mean, that Ray Arthur is a great coach. So, you know, there's a lot of faith in the people around us, which gives a lot of comfort. And you just basically get on with it and, and you hope for that break. And we got there and we got to Wembley and it was Leicester, um, Leicester City in the playoff final. And um, what was the, what can you remember about the preparations for the final? Did you go down to, I presume you went down to London the, the day before and and was it, could you feel like the nerves building all throughout the day, just like, you know, a massive cup final, like the full members cup um, as well? Was it a similar yeah. sort of situation or was yeah, it, was I it bigger? So. I think for, my, for myself personally, I- I've obviously been there before, so I think the second time's not quite as nerve-wracking than the first time was really nerve-wracking. But, yeah, you, you're looking forward to the day, but most of all, you're looking for an opportunity to get promotion. That was always on my mind. Was I, You know, I wanted to play at the top level. I wanted to play in, the, you know, in League One, in Division One, or the Premiership, it was about to come. So, yeah. from my point of view, it was everything to get up there and, and challenge your ability and your talent and find out how good you are. And we did, obviously, we won that that play a final Mike Newell with the penalty and he, I think he missed one as well in the, in the, in the yeah. second half did when you obviously when you got that penalty everyone, was there a massive relief did you think he was going to bag it and then it was going to be comfortable yeah I, th- I think that again you're just looking for that in, in big games like that the, the, the differences are so small so you're looking for a break you know Leicester were a good team we were a good team um, and I think once you get that I think first goal in, in finals are really important and I think from that point of view, I, you know, I admit Leicester were in a good second half and put us under a lot of pressure. We were playing probably more on the counter-attack, um, but we held out. You know, the defenders played really well uh, and, and we did our job in sort of got us across the line, really. Yeah, absolutely. And what a day it was. And we became founder members of the Premier League and uh, also founder members of the Football League, which very few clubs have done. So, you know, a great piece of history for Blackburn Rovers there. Um, before we move kind of into the next bit of your career, we've got a couple of questions from fans that, that have uh, requested these questions for you. So if you don't mind ask, uh, yeah. answering these, we've got a couple from Ollie on Twitter. He asked a couple of good questions. He's asked you um, who the best player you played with at Rovers was and was Colin Hendry a better defender or a striker? Um, I would say best player over the period I was there was Simon Garner yeah. um, in terms of just his overall goal scoring, his technique. Um, um, you know, he could score off both feet, and, and you would. He was one of them players that, again, I play with a few like that. That when you're in a good position as a creative player, you know, if you get it to him, he's going to score a goal. So I think probably he he was probably the best overall player I played with. And in my opinion, should have played higher, at higher level. Yeah, Simon was. You know, was lovely at Blackburn. He was happy, uh, and and probably wasn't the player that was, you know, needed to, to play at a different club to prove himself. Uh, Colin, I thought, was equally good at both, but I thought he was a better defender. I thought yeah. he's probably one of the best last gas defenders I've ever seen in terms of getting blocks, tall pokes away from people, uh, blocking. Um, yeah, was you know he got called Captain Braveheart, and that you know that's probably summed him up in terms of that type of play. He was yeah, that was him to a nutshell, really. Absolutely. Um, and then David on Twitter asks, and I've had a couple of people on Facebook as well, asking what you, your best game for Rovers was, in your opinion, and your goal. I think somebody mentioned one against Charlton at Upton Park as a potential good uh, good yeah. goal that he scored. Um, I think, I think uh, best game, difficult to be fair. I think that... Um, 
probably couldn't put my. I think I think I think we had a game against West Ham one day. I think we won four two at, at, at uh, Ewood, and I scored two. Would go in my mind. I think scoring the header against Liverpool in the League Cup when they were a great team. I think from the edge of the box. I think that day had a really good game. I think that probably was the day that Liverpool started to box me a bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot. I mean, I was there for six seasons, so I think probably a goal against Plymouth was probably my favourite. I think we, I think I scored it with the outside of my foot, uh, nearly off the byline. To be fair, uh, I also remember probably a chip against Grimsby away was a good goal as well. But yeah, there were some good ones. I remember the one at Upton Park, yeah, for sure. Uh, shot from the edge of the box, so. Yeah, I probably had a few goals I really uh, enjoyed and performances I really enjoyed. Um, I think probably as over in my creative sort of player I was, I probably had my best spell. I think I scored 15 goals one season at Blackburn and actually was somebody that pushed guns that season for top goal scorer. Yeah. That was probably a season I enjoyed the most where I probably felt in overall my whole career I was probably at my most... Uh, best goal scoring wise and creative yeah Don used to give me sort of a bit more of a free roll in that team and, and tell me to stay wider and to stay a bit higher and, and, and that scene I felt was really uh, probably a, one of my best seasons Absolutely you were my, I don't mind saying this now you were my first hero from the terraces um, and we kind of get to the point now where I kind of woke up one day and we were Premier League yeah we were a Premier League club but my hero had been it wasn't there. I went and started watching the games on, in the Premier League and, and was asking my dad, you know, where Scott Sellers was. And yeah. were, you, were you disappointed not to feature for Rovers then in the Premier League? I don't know personally the story of what happened. And, you know, next thing I knew you were at Leeds United. And then next time I actually remember watching you was when you were at Newcastle. So uh, Mark Whittle as well on Twitter asks, were you disappointed not to feature for Rovers in the Premier League? Yeah, I think, there's a, I think if I look back on my career, that probably my biggest disappointment was that... Uh, like I said, we worked so hard, you know, been there six seasons, worked so hard to get there, and I never really got to enjoy sort of the, yeah, the, the, the sort of playing in the in the, in the the Premier League for Blackburn Rovers. So, yeah, that, that was a massive disappointment. I mean, the reason that I left were probably a couple of reasons. Um, um, I probably felt I was in finished business at Leeds. I obviously left there at 20. They just won the, the League Division 1 Championship. They've been chasing me for a while. Howard Wilkins have been chasing me from his days at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, and to play in the European Champions, well, European Cup as it was then, was something. And to play for the team that won the title was probably the reason I went back. Um, but probably, yeah, probably if I'm, you know, if I'm honest, it was a wrong decision. But then again, I, looked, I, look, I can look back and go, yeah, well, I, I went to Newcastle from there and I had three great years at Newcastle, you know, playing in that great team there as well. So, you know, I don't really look, you know, I look back at Blackburn as probably, you know, as a, as a really happy time in my career. Probably the longest time I played at any club was Blackburn, you know, 360 odd games. So, um, yeah, a bit of sadness, but most of all, a, a lot of pride and a lot of enjoyment in my time there. And did Kenny Douglas say anything? To, did he try and persuade you to stay at the club or was it, was he, was it kind of a bit more mutual than that? No, I think that Kenny wanted me to stay and, and kept saying nothing's a contract for you there, sign it. Um, I think I think Blackburn offered me two years, which you know, wasn't a bad contract, but Leeds were offering me four years at the time and were really chasing me to sign. So I think from that point of view, uh, and like I said before, if it hadn't been Leeds, probably I might have been, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Obviously, they just won the league, so uh, they're going to Europe, so that was a big problem yeah, as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
you know, was it even the Champions League then, or was it just the European Cup? Yeah, yeah, I ended up playing the Champions League yeah. in Stuttgart, so being involved around that as well, so that's something obviously on the CV I can look back with a lot of lot of pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And then you said, so you didn't last, you didn't stay for the obviously the four years at Leeds. Um, you were were you approached by Kevin Keegan and Terry McDermott, or was again how did that move to Newcastle to come come about? Because I believe they were they were in the second division, or the first division as yeah. well. There. Yeah, at the time, I mean, I would say in my career, always career, football's always been about playing, yeah. not watching, you know, so at the time, uh, you know, the, the midfield four was always very difficult to break through, obviously it's very good, mm-hmm. uh, Gordon Strachan at the time I was going there was, had an injury and they weren't sure about how he'd return, but he came back as good as ever, so and I think they needed some money, to, re- to Milstone got an injury, they needed some money to bring the right back in. And I think that Leeds, the Newcastle tried to turn me, but at the same time went to, to Leeds. So uh, I think they came back in and, and tried to take me. They were running away with the league, so there was a good chance they were going to go back into the Premier League. Yeah. Obviously, and again, like a Kennedy, at least Kennedy, Kevin Keegan was a manager. Who, for anybody of my age, player of my age, was Kevin Keegan was everybody's hero and was a person wanted to follow. And it, it looked really exciting. Full houses, uh, the football they were playing was really good when I'd seen them play on TV. So again, it was a great way to go and play for somebody. And again, I'd say go back to the first place to go and play, and, and, and that's why I went there. And play, you know, you got—I presume you got given license to Rome. I saw you playing for Newcastle in the Premier League. I didn't see the promotion season, but um, I presume you got given a bit of license there to to kind of do a little bit of what you wanted. And you scored—I believe you scored the winner against Sunderland in the time we had derby um, in that promotion season. So was that a big moment for you? And I think that put you very close to being promoted with Newcastle and it wasn't very much to do after that game. Yeah, I mean, they were in a good position when I went there. Uh, I mean, to score a goal against Sunderland, it's a bit like, you know, scoring a goal for Blackburn against Burnley, is massive. Uh, and, you know, you're always sort of revered for that. I think, yeah, that sort of goal put us into a position where we were almost un- uncatchable. Uh, but yeah, the whole period was really exciting. But, you know, it being a club... For, for years have been in the sort of doldrums and all of a sudden, you know, there was full houses every week. Uh, the football, like I said before, was really exciting. Uh, yeah, it was very free-flowing, very attacking. Uh, we didn't do much work on defending. And it's uh, it certainly played into my style of football and who I was as a player in terms of being creative. And when you went through into the Premier League then for the following season, was there a belief in the camp that you could go straight in and compete at the very top end? Um, obviously, that's kind of what ended up happening for you. Um, but was there that belief in there from everybody, so John Hall all the way down, that you were, you were there not just to make up the numbers, but to make serious inroads into the Premier League straight away? Yeah, I, th- I think we certainly thought we had the quality of player to compete. Um, and also, as we were progressing... You know, I, I came in late in the season, Andy Cole came in, and then the following season they signed Peter Beardsley, so then Darren Peacock and Rule Fox, so they were signing quality players, that meant really we, the club was only going to go one way really, and uh, that's certainly, certainly what's happened, we finished third in our first season, so I don't think we felt we would do that, but we certainly felt we would compete. Absolutely, and then you must have still looked though across the you know, across at Lancashire and seeing what was happening at Rovers, finishing fourth, then second, and then obviously the ninety four, ninety five season, which you know was the biggest, the the, be- the biggest success for Blackburn Rovers. What were your feelings looking across at what was going on at Blackburn? Were you just pr- proud of the club, pleased for the club, or was there a little bit of you know that could have been me about it as well? No, I mean, I'm not 
you know, chip on about looking back. I was just really pleased. I'm obviously a lot of lads were there from my time anyway. So, yeah. you're Mark Atkins, you know, you're Colin Hendricks, you're, you're Tim Sherwood, you're Mike Newells. So, I was delighted for the club, obviously. Like I said, I had six years there, six fantastic years. And, you know, wherever I was in my career, I always looked back on Blackburn and they were a big part in that. So, no, it was a lot of, lot of you know, a lot of pride for the club, a lot of, uh, yeah, a, a lot of... Uh, Sort of, I was just really pleased with him. Obviously, Kenny was still there, and Ray were really respected. Tony Parks, who was again was a, a big influence on my career. So, a lot of people there, I was really pleased for. Really, yeah. That's. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. What, I didn't know what the answer was going to be to that. I, I, I was pretty sure you were going to say that, but I'm, I'm glad that you kind of look at Black Black at Blackburn with with that pride. We've got a bit another question here from Mark Whittle, who's asked. You know. I, I don't know what you're going to say to this one, but uh, who was the better manager to play for, Kenny or, or Kevin? So Kenny Daglish or Kevin Keegan? Yeah, both. I mean, I didn't play for Kenny so long. I played for Kenny probably, what, about four or five months. So yeah. uh, I like Kenny. I think Kenny was... I think with both Kenny and Kevin, they, they get instant respect that you know that they've done it, they've been there, they've been, you know, top, top players. So they get, they get that ultimate respect. And then from, from my own... For me as a person, I was always then judging them as managers, and I always thought Kenny spoke a lot of sense. Um, you know, didn't prattle on, knew what he wanted, and Kevin was the same really. I think Kevin knew what he wanted and would get the players to do what he wanted. And, and um, both very enthusiastic, both very passionate about football, both love the game, and I think that transferred across as well. Um, and I also think both knew were very clever at knowing what they were good at and then getting people to do what they weren't great at. So I think they were both very talented in that. And, you know, Kenny and, and Kevin were both very much man-managers. Kenny had Ray Arthur, who was a great coach, and Parksy. Uh, together, a really good combination. And then Kevin had sort of Derek Fazakli, who I'd known from Blackburn, doing the coaching, who was a great coach as well. So I think they were both very good at recognising the strengths of themselves and what they needed to make a good team. Yeah, absolutely. And you played in some good coaches at Bolton as well, and you moved on there um, after the 95 season, I think, and spent, um, it's probably your second longest spell at any club was at Bolton Wanderers. So, and that was a time when they were, um, they played a bit of Premier League football. They were also in first division as well. You're, you're in between the two. Was that an enjoyable time for you at Bolton as well? It was getting, I think it was you in the 30s then, so you knew your game inside out, and you were given licence there to, to, to play as well. Yeah, again, a good, a good team, exciting time to be there. Uh, got promotion, scored, I think we made 100 points and yeah. nearly got 100 goals. But again, it was a very attacking team, which again helped me uh, in terms of how I was playing. And then we moved to, from Burnham to the Reebok. So again, very exciting time. Yeah, we probably weren't quite good enough to stay up um, and probably were a bit of a yo-yo team at the time. But yeah, again, you know, a, 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 another Lancashire team, uh, which I knew well and enjoyed working in that area and working in the northwest. So, yeah, I, I look back very fondly as, you know, as, a, as a really enjoyable time in my career. So Yorkshireman's saying that he's enjoyed time at Lancashire, guys. You know, yeah, yeah to... spent a lot of time in the northwest, to be Absolute, fair. So, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You get to, get to enjoy it, yeah. Went back to Yorkshire, though, for a spell at Huddersfield. And then yeah. I, I just wanted to speak to you about, um, did you go over to... Dem I heard on the grave. I was speaking to somebody about your career, and they said that you went to Denmark for a bit. Yeah, I went to Denmark this year to go for six months, um, but then they're going for probably about a year. But yeah, and it, it was something that um, I wanted to not sort of finish my career with ever playing 
in uh, in Europe, and I, I was getting to a stage where I wanted to go into coaching. It was an opportunity to go and see something new, mm. or something different, and yeah. Yeah, it was a really enjoyable time, to be fair. And I think I was like 35 at the time, being around north of England for 35, playing every, you know, played a lot in the starting the Championship and the Premier League, and, and just fancy the change. And I needed it to be fair. I was getting a bit. bit sort of bit stagnant so it was a, an opportunity to see something different and what did you if you don't mind me asking what did you learn over there that you then brought back to your coaching and everything like that over here I think yeah, I think it was a bit a lot more tactical uh, as a game um, a lot more structured um, I think English football was a lot more about individuals and 1v1s whereas over there it was a little bit more tactical they only played once a week so we would train a lot more train twice a day sometimes uh, and then obviously the cultural bit, uh, great country to live, really enjoyed living in Denmark, very um, very well run country, very healthy. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of different things that certainly opened up my eyes. I played with some Danish lads in terms of Michael Johansson and Per Fransen and sort of Carl uh, Jensen at, at bottom, so I knew Danish lads and the Danish guys are very similar mentality to English players, so the transition wasn't too tough. But yeah, it was a really enjoyable year just to see something different. Absolutely. And was it was it always in your mind to go into coaching and possibly management, or was that something that you just thought about when you were in your your thirties and thought, well, I best do something. I want to stay in this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, my, you know, so my true love has always been football, and you know, from a young age, like you talk about watching Blackburn. From a young age, I've been watching football, playing it watching it on TV, so I always wanted to stay in football. Football's a business I know really well, and although I realised I couldn't play forever, I started to do my coaching badges and recognise that, yeah, whatever form I could, I wanted to stay in football. So, yeah, it was all aiding my next step in my career. And you've never held the top job at the uh, any of the clubs you've been at. I think you were assistant manager for a short spell at Chesterfield, and then also with Wolves, you've been close to the first team and been around first teams for a few different clubs. Is as you have you ever actually thought that's something that you wanted to do, or, or were you more content to work on the youth side of things? Yeah, as I said, I, I, I like I like the development side. I was never obsessed in my coaching about winning. Um, when I've done the first team side. There's parts of it I like, there's parts of it I'm not really, I don't like. Um, so I think it was a, I had 20 odd years, I suppose, of playing at the top level and playing under pressure. Um, there's certainly not as much pressure at development. And you get a little bit more time. And, and, and ultimately, I think I had some great people who helped me develop, and I, I sort of wanted to be that person who developed players and, and helped them to come through as well. And, you know, your, your current role is at Wolves. Um head of player academy on the on the football side of things um, yeah. do you, have you really enjoyed that side of things and seeing Wolves grow into oh, the club that it is now which you know we look back on that from even like five years ago and I would have been struggling to believe that, that Wolves would be in the position that they're in now are you proud of the, the journey that the club's been on whilst you've been there and do you see it sustaining that um, kind of new position as it were towards the end of the, the Premier League yeah, I think the, the, the change in the football club is very clear to see. You know, the, the, when Folsom took over the club, the you know, um, new manager, obviously the recruitment's changed, but at the same time of that, they're, they're, they're an investment banking, an investment company who make money out of investment, investing money. So they see the club as a long-term investment, and part of that is the academy. 
you know, they see developing their own players as a big part moving forward. Getting players into any first team at any level of football is difficult. Getting players into the first team at a top 10 Premier League team is very difficult. But it's certainly a challenge where, that, that I enjoy uh, and, and really gives us a focus to work to. So, yeah, I think that the club is very much looking to move forward consistently and it's done that over the period that, that Fawzon have been in charge. I just wanted to ask you another question about Wolves, if you may. Um, it's a very specific one. It may not even make the podcast. I don't even know yet. But um, I want to ask you about Max Kilman, if I could. Yeah. I don't know if you know much about Max, but obviously he's come from a futsal background and I'm a qualified futsal coach, futsal coach as yeah. well. Um, how did that? What's how did that kind of come about? What was his transition from futsal into into the Wolves first team as he is now? Well, he was playing for uh, Maidenhead in the Conference National League. So we'd watched him play. We knew about his futsal as well. So uh, we knew he was good technically, he was good physically. He was 20 years old, but we thought, you know, um, we were looking for centre-backs at the time. And, and, and if you look at our system at Wolves, we play with three centre-backs. So being technically very good is, is important in terms of trying to control the ball and control possession. And we thought at the price, I think it cost us £40,000, that he was worth worth the punt, really. He got good physicality, he could play football. He's six foot three, six foot four uh, as a centre back, and and he's come in. He's got fantastic attitude for most of all. Works hard at his football, and from the first moment he came in, he sort of really developed quickly, uh, and it's progressing now where he's a, you know, he's a he's a, a member of the first team squad who this season's played quite a few Premier League games, played at Anfield, and had an excellent game. So yeah, I, I think it shows that. The talent's out there. If you've got the eyes to look and sometimes you're prepared to take a chance on players, players can surprise you. Great. Thanks for that. Yeah, Brill. And um, so just moving the conversation back to um, Blackburn Rovers, do you still look out for the club and, and what do you make of their kind of current position under Mowbray and, and you know, what do you kind of see in in what how we play and, and Hopefully, you know, do you see the potential in us to move back up into the Premier League in the not too distant future? Yeah, well, I think I think first of all, you've got a really good manager in Tony. Um, you know, I think he's very experienced. Um, I like how he's bringing the young players in, so quite a lot of young players are getting opportunities as well. Um, and I think he looks like he's got a good balance. Um, and I don't think they look too far off being, you know, a playoff team. You know, I watched them the other week on TV against Blackburn and for the sorry against Brentford and for the first. 40 minutes, they look really good and strong. So, and Brentford are a really good team. So, I don't think they're too far off it. They look like they'll score goals. Um, in, in terms of, you know, Armstrong looks a real goal scorer. So, yeah, I think they're, they're developing nicely. And I think the most important thing, it, it looks like the club's quite stable for the first time in quite a lot of years as well, which is important. And obviously, a lot of the stuff that's gone on before uh, took away from the football club, but also. Almost gave the club a feeling of being a little bit lost, and, and they don't look lost now. They look, I think, with Tony at the helm, quite a stable club. I think now they're progressing, and I can see them progressing even further. Um, and in time, you know, um, with the right support and some of the young players coming through, they can certainly progress. And hopefully that'll happen sooner rather than later. Obviously, waiting for this um, situation to come to an end and. We're all hoping that maybe we can sneak into the playoffs this season and then maybe we'll meet you guys again in the Premier League next season. But that's dreaming maybe, but hopefully it's not too far off. Um, I'd just like I to... I think everything else is there. Yeah, I mean, I think, they, you know, if you took a look at their stadium, if you look at their training facilities, both at academy and first-team level, 
you know, they're elite, so they are at Premier League level. What they need to do now is obviously get everything else to catch that up. But once you've got them things in place, you can always keep building and building from there. And yeah. that, obviously, that was a lot of what Jack did, to be fair. And actually, our academy is something that we're obviously still very proud of and is doing exceptionally well at the moment with our youth team in the FA Cup semi-final. I suppose you'll have come across the Rovers Academy teams in your role. Um, anyone, I don't know if you even know any players, but is there anyone in particular that you saw in those Academy squads that you thought were big prospects for us in the future? I think, I think a couple of play, players, I think one player who's always impressed me is John Buckley. Yeah. Uh, he's always impressed me as a footballer, but also in his attitude and, he's, and he's, he's, a, he's got a real sort of hardiness and a, and a steal about him as well as being a talented footballer and I think another one is probably Sam Barnes he's a young centre-half I think he's in the 18s and 23s yeah. he's always impressed me I remember seeing him as a I think he was a 15 or 16 year old playing young 18s and although he looked young and he was a bit like dandy on ice at the time you could see he's going to be a good player so they're probably two uh, academy graduates that have, that have impressed me over the years yeah yeah, and I think it's important that we keep that side of things. I think fair play to the owners who have, have committed to that and um, put the money in to that. Um, just going to, before I let you go, I just wanted to, I've just got a comment in whilst we were talking on Facebook here from Stephen Yowds. I just wanted to read this out to you. Um, name, named my son Scott after um, the crucial goal against Derby in the semi-final to pull a goal back from 2-0 down. Went on to win 4-2. Great day. Great at free kicks. So there you go. Who would have known it when you were a young player? Um, being good at free kicks would eventually lead to someone named Stephen naming their son after you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a strange things happen in football. Yeah, I get, yeah, you get that where my son's named after you. Yeah. And stuff like I remember. Yeah, lots of things like that, yeah. Well, right. Well, it's, thank- nice, it's, nice to, it's nice to know you have a... Like I say, at the time, I don't think you realise uh, as a player because you get caught in the bubble that how much you do sort of a, affect people's lives I suppose that was one of the good things at, at Blackburn working a, in, in a small town you did I did get to know a lot of people and living in the town as well yeah Absolutely. So, you know, a couple of people saying that was the best time to be a Blackburn Rovers supporter when when you guys were doing your stuff in that in that league. And I think you've got, given a lot of Rovers fans a lot of good memories over your time with us. So I'd like to thank you for that, including myself, of course. And um, thank you for, again for your time today as well. I know you you're still a busy man with with the role that you've got. So thank you, Scott. Cheers, Andy. And Cheers. and uh, hopefully again, like we'll say, we'll see you in the Premier League soon. Yeah, I'm hopefully so too. Yeah. Thanks for the See you later. Bye bye. Well, there you have it then. A, a full history of Scott Sellers, really, we got there, and I was delighted to be able to get that time with him. A couple of very candid answers in there as well, um, saying that he actually did regret his leaving Rovers. And, um, you know, that becomes an even stranger one to me now because I always assumed that. Um, it was it was kind of not his decision to leave necessarily. He'd obviously spent a long time striving for promotion with the club, and then when we achieved that for him to leave, always felt a bit strange to me. Obviously, as a kid, you don't question it as much, and I'd always just assumed that, you know, Dougley should turn around and said that you were surplus to requirements, and so, you know, find yourself a new club. But, you know, he says himself that Dougley asked him to stay, and there was a deal on the table for him. So, interesting one. And obviously, he says that he, he he looks over at us when we win the league, and he's he's proud and pleased. So you've got to take him on his word for that. And um, 
you know, he's had a fantastic career outside of playing for Rovers and there's no doubt in that he's become a fantastic uh, coach as well at the end of it. So a full career in football, which is still ongoing for Scott Sellers. And like I say, I hope you enjoyed that look back at um, someone who was a massive player for us in the late 80s and early 90s. And I know that a lot of people held him in very high regard. So... Um, hopefully I delivered a decent enough interview for you there and we'll be back again with the 1875 podcast with another couple of ex-players we've got in the pipeline and um, we've got plenty of other content as well available on the website and on the YouTube so keep an eye across all of our outlets across our social media and uh, try not to miss a thing with Rovers Chat thank you, bye bye With fast funding up to $10,000 available through net credit, our online application process was designed to get the money you need quickly if approved. You can borrow an amount that meets your needs and repay in a way that works for your financial situation. And we report on-time payments to credit bureaus, so you can build credit history as you repay. See what net credit can do for you today. Check your eligibility without affecting your credit score at netcredit.com. All net credit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the net credit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information.